All right, welcome to Why Is This Good, a podcast by the Naples Writers Workshop. I'm Christine, and I'm here with Rob and John. Hey, guys. Hey. Hello. And this week, it is Rob's turn. And Rob, do you want to tell us what you picked? Yeah, this is Donald Barlamay's The School. Well, we had all these children out planting trees, see, because we figured that that was part of their education to see how, you know, the root systems and also the sense of responsibility, taking care of things, being individually responsible. You know what I mean. And the trees all died. They were orange trees. I don't know why they died. They just died. Something wrong with the soil, possibly, or maybe the stuff we got from the nursery wasn't the best. We complained about it. So we've got 30 kids here. We've got 30 kids there. Each kid had his own little tree to plant. We've got these 30 dead trees. All these kids looking at these little brown sticks. It was depressing. It wouldn't have been so bad except that just a couple of weeks before the thing with the trees, the snakes all died. But I think that the snakes, well, the reason that the snakes kicked off was that, you remember, the boiler was shut off for four days because of the strike. And that was explicable. It was something you could explain to the kids because of the strike. I mean, none of their parents would let them cross the picket line and they knew there was a strike going on what it meant. So when things got started up again and we found the snakes, they weren't too disturbed. With the herb gardens, it was probably a case of overwatering, and at least now they know not to overwater. The children were very conscientious with the herb gardens, and some of them probably, you know, slipped them a little extra water when we weren't looking. Or maybe, well, I don't like to think about sabotage, although it did occur to us. I mean, it was something that crossed our minds. We were thinking that way probably because before that, the gerbils had died, and the white mice had died, and the salamander. Well, now they know not to carry them around in plastic bags. So why did you pick this one? Uh, I, this seemed like um, kind of like, I don't want to uh, belittle it, but I, it seems to hold, uh, share a lot with stand-up comedy that I really liked. It seemed kind of like an extended bit. It's about two, it's about three pages, if that's so super short. It's almost in the flash fiction category. And the voice is really fun, and it's kind of like, a, it's obviously a kindergarten teacher, and guessing it was written in the 70s. This is when, I'm just always curious. I, I'll probably always bring it up every episode when something was written. I don't know. So he's probably middle-aged at that point. Or yeah, he's well like 40. In, yeah, well into his career. And there's laughs like all over the place, but it was kind of like, what's the story called? It's called The School. And these kids by story's end, or they want to know about the kind of the birds and the bees. They want to know about the, the two biggest subjects, sex and death. <laughs> and, isn't, and I think we're kind of, once you kind of get toward the end of the story, there's a dialogue that kind of takes place or that doesn't take, that we don't see in quotation marks, but the kids are asking, the kids are given a voice that it's it sounds more of like a, a graduate course than it, than it does um, a kindergarten teacher addressing his kids. And so there is, there's obviously something philosophical here, which is is interesting and I, I would almost say like the philosophy of the story as it is it's almost superficial to the fun I don't like how stories like this kind of get pigeonholed as like oh this is like there's there's stuff happening I think this story and I think the author particularly is a guy who is really concerned about like I think fun I think his stories are like really concerned with like kind of like being silly and playing with language and, and using language as something that's like elastic and that's kind of like toy like and I think there's huge value in that that doesn't have to be like a huge cultural moment I think there's just a lot of fun here. This made me think of my that little short thing I wrote, the lemonade stand. Oh no, kidding! I yeah, mainly because all, that's all it was. It was just fun. Mm-hmm. It was just a fun thing to write. That's interesting. And part of it was I had children characters in it that kind of had that graduate student. Precocious. Yeah, right, sure. Yeah, precocious, precocious times a million. Yeah. So that fun thing is really well, important. In hearing Rob say that, having picked a couple of these stories, you know, I feel like I then have permission to just enjoy it at its face versus 
to try to understand it, which is what I did after I read it. <laughs> so <laughs> try, I, to, you know, try to understand. Yeah, I, 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 when I don't get it nowadays, and I know that I have to come in on this podcast and say something intelligent, I, <laughs> I try to read some of the criticism just so that I know whether or not I'm on the right track, sort of. And, and the most that they could kind of pull out, it did seem like these critics were even kind of struggling to say something, like you said, that had a big takeaway. And it was mostly like birds and the bees and death. Yeah. And look how funny it is, but it's also that's like the grand life question and here's how kids maybe grappled with it. But the main takeaway is that it's very funny. Yeah. And it's very fun. And you'll remember it for those reasons before you remember what that critic maybe said was, you know, the deeper takeaway. Yeah, these are kind of like, I don't know if critic immune (laughs) would be the right term, but if you can find stuff that like kind of resists, resists categories such like a buzz phrase or some derivation of that. But if you can find something that's like, oh, I don't know what this is. Like, that's usually like really special. I would say like, that's kind of like, that's something that's like a a real major symptom for me of like art. Like, what is the Like, I can't, I don't know what to say. Like, it's fun. It's weird. It's cool. You want to know more. And I think like when artists, someone like him have that face value is the right thing you have to say. Like, okay, the terms are yours. They're not, I'm not, you're not playing against other people's stuff. I think what John said about cat person is that our workshop would have torn it apart. But I think this is more in line with the type of thing we would tear apart. Yeah. Which is, <laughs> I'll say. Yeah. which is, yeah, when you're kind of faced as a writer who doesn't, you know, we're, none of us is like this expert writer in that group, but in any kind of like workshop setting where you're trying to think like, how do I improve this piece? You would probably look at a story by him and say, well, I don't really, what is the, I don't, you know, and you would struggle to define it either by genre or by what's happening. And you would lose sight of the fact that you enjoyed reading it. I think what that might prove is that when like criticism comes up against art, I think like it kind of proves that criticism is like it's kind of a waste of time. I yes. know it's it seems like it's there to like I know it's like it's it's a commercial device. It sells stuff. It's not like to say they're in cahoots with the publishing, but they're like there's a symbiosis there, so it's important. But I'm generally like as I'm sure most people are, it's like criticism does not seem important. Like I'm more I'm more interested in like let's talk about it, but to be like well this is this, and now we're going to right. shave this down and like put it on like a meat hook like it's it's like well I mean, this is when i would plug the book that i want to write yeah, right. so <laughs> I, know, I, I, I don't have like, the uh yeah. the contract yet segway <laughs> for john i felt that way about literary criticism in high school when i had you to cite it to write papers i was like maybe this is accurate in terms of the theme but if i didn't get it does that mean that i didn't enjoy this book yeah exactly the, the, well there's a fundamental problem then with just like english class like yeah well, are right. we, what are we teaching these like yeah it wasn't about whether you enjoyed it it was about whether you you understood it yeah as the critics told you it was intended to be understood but with this guy donald doesn't care if you get it he just hopes you read it and and like it and that that is really like i said it's it's a relief <laughs> yeah isn't it yeah there is something like refreshing or you kind of feel different and this isn't a take anything from cat person but cat person is more of a typical story where two characters are meeting you know what they're you know what one of them's thinking things are in play there's action it, that's a realistic story as right. I, I would say that file under that under realism when you have something that's more i guess i guess he's a surrealist surrealism in itself seems like it's a paradox like if you're defining something as surrealist how can it be sur- you know what i mean it's like i mm-hmm. guess that's, that's what true. it is and just like the experience of that is 
like, I think that's like so valuable. And that's why I try to bring stuff that's a, not, I mean, this is, this is mainstream stuff, but it's just stuff that's kind of a little more unusual because it does, it does like a different feeling to it. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, there's not like an A to B feeling that I get from this. Yes. Which I think people expect with a story because that's what a story is. There's more of just like a experiential. It's, it's just like, this was that. And how do you feel now? Yeah. <laughs> well, okay. And so the section that you read didn't really show him off, but to ruin it by the end, a life-size gerbil, like a real walking, talking gerbil walks into the classroom. So, so the, it, it takes this wild turn, right? Like to Rob's point, it's been funny throughout, but by the end, that's one of these things where, okay, I, I would defy these critics to interpret that. It was just supposed to be funny. And it was, it was like this punchline. It was weird. And by the end, I, I had this vivid scene, this <laughs> walking, talking, like stuffed gerbil or something. I don't know. It, it was just fun though. It's interesting because, you know, it's fun. It's funny. But uh, there's a, the line, second to last paragraph, they being the children, the students, they said, please, please make love with Helen. Yes. <laughs> we require an assertion of value. We are frightened. <laughs> It's it's totally it's not a non sequitur because it follows from what's happening, but it's it's out it's of field. bizarre. Yeah, right? but it's right. It's also just right. Yeah, kids do require like you need to show me what's right and what's good uh-huh. and what I'm supposed to do. So you better like bang Helen right now. Yeah, <laughs> you know bang I mean? like, Helen. We need to know like it. what's happening. Yeah, that that part was very weird, and then and then it was all kind of like lightened right when you think that he's actually going to fall through. Well, so the only thing I could take away, not that I'm jumping to my lesson, but the only thing that I could say definitively about how he achieved all this, because I think it's so hard to nail down successful humor. And I think when you do, then kind of ruins all humor going forward. All I think about then is like, did they ratchet the tension? Did they make it more dramatic? Did, you know, where is the punchline? What was the thinking? It ruins everything. But in this piece, it's basically second person. He, he says you over and over. And, he, and it does almost feel as if he's maybe explaining something to the principal. Or, or like a friend of his, you know, it has that that feeling where he's like, you know, you're familiar with the situation, but so let me tell you about these thirty kids and and all these experiments that we did and how they all failed and the phrases that he repeated over and over was like C as in you see, and then he said he says you know a bunch and well and so and I mean and these are all the sort of conversational things that you don't typically I don't think see in first person stories that are told like in scene well those He's are kind of to that's like what, what makes a voice yes right so it's casual or a character's it's... voice mm-hmm. right like uh what was that story goodbye and good luck um grace paley where yeah same there's tone. a lot of kind of conversational moves in in the the way that was written same way yeah yeah that was the only thing i could think that kind of achieved this humor though is it's not just the fact that it was second person because not everything in second person is funny obviously but he's kind of explaining and justifying and you can imagine the well, my takeaway from the Grace Paley story was uh, talking about the situation in which the story is being told, right? Right. She's likely talking to a yeah. younger relative. So imagining him saying these right. things, you have to imagine the context. Oh, of- yeah. You're imagining the person he's talking to, and yeah, yeah, I can yeah, totally see that. Yeah, yeah, you can see him like kind of hemming and hawing and deciding. Well, this is how it happened, you know. And we had these plants, and then the plants died. <laughs> but he's a, a great like comic writer too. He's got yes. rhythm to it. There's um, I marked a passage for its rhythm. It was just a run of bad luck. We had an extraordinary number of parents passing away, for instance. <laughs> <laughs> there were, I think, two heart attacks and two suicides, <laughs> one drowning, and four killed together in a car accident. Yeah. 
Oh my god! And then that's all building up, and then he says one stroke, like <laughs> as a little coda or yeah. kind of mm-hmm. punch at the end mm-hmm. there. Well, he does it. Like I said, I, I hate criticizing fiction this way or uh, humor. By criticizing, I mean like looking too closely at it. But when he says with that paragraph break, we weren't even supposed to have a puppy. Yeah, your, your reaction oh, no. in that moment is, oh my god. That no. was another thing I marked for rhythm. Yeah. Yeah, because you didn't really care. You know, you expect fish to die. You expect gerbils to die. They don't live very long, but then a puppy, so you know, good. this is the most precious domestic animal, right? And by merely introducing it, you know its fate. And then later, by the time he says, and the Korean orphan that we adopted, I, you're like, holy cow, he's going to kill a kid. And obviously the classroom wasn't taking care of the kid, but something nice. horrible befell the Korean orphan. Ramping and, up. Yeah. So that was, that was the only kind of thing I guess I would be willing to mention when it comes to humor like that. Like he ups the stakes when you think it's as funny as it could get, or when you think you've wrapped your head around the concept and then it it just is that much more funny you kind of see it coming but then when he does it you're like oh my god (laughs) and after he talked about the two students that died he says (laughs) he says i don't know what's true and what's not it's been a strange year yeah yeah kind of um understated reaction to the thing like we've just been outlining these increasingly horrible tragedies and (laughs) now it's just been strange you get the feeling that the teacher is not too concerned with the kids like all the death is so matter of fact and he's kind of like backing into apologizing to it you kind of imagine him like with his hands in his pockets and like you know shrugging his shoulders at some way yeah this 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 and that that happened but like the kids seem so secondary which is fun the story is called the school this is about like kids experience of death and if they're just like not important which is a fun which is a fun way to to, to, to imagine an adult writing about a school where it's like the kids eh, it's not so much important but like well it, it, it feels like i imagine a lot of teachers feel where it's like this is the current batch of kids it's just the kids yeah but there's gonna be a new batch and we're gonna go through this whole lesson plan again where like <laughs> you know i've seen it a million times and they haven't but i'm used to their expected reactions yeah. they just seem like this like roving group they're not gonna be able to fully comprehend it they're only yours for a short time the fish die but we knew they would you know the kids didn't but we did and yeah so they don't get like um i think there's one name for one of the students edgar well, the two who died got names oh, yeah yeah okay i was gonna say the puppy there's i think Brand. is edgar Billy Brand was oh Billy Brand's yeah father. I was gonna say I think there was like one Edgar was the teacher's name I think or the dog or the dog dog was named yeah, after they, him the dog yeah. was named after the teacher which was also a funny little twist there because then the dog dies it was so weird he's like I kept the dog in the supply closet like, <laughs> well yeah I mean what'd you expect <laughs> he says I checked the supply closet each morning routinely because I knew what was going to happen yeah <laughs> it's like well you put it in the <laughs> oh my god you gotta hope it's fiction because it's terrible it's too bad that we go into so many stories thinking like all right could this be true could this not be true it's, right i think what kind of stuff like this asks you to do is just be like well suspend belief forget it yeah disbelief rob likes to pick these stories that are are like you said resilient to criticism yeah so. i certainly like talking about them but yeah I, it's tough to say like this is bad this this part is great this part is like it's, that's what i admire about them yeah. right yeah these are distinct voices you couldn't hope to yeah. mimic but i think usually what we say then is if you have that weird inkling like lean into it like these authors do if you have a weird inclination it's uniquely yours so just go with it no one else can copy you but um 
I don't know. Do you guys have other things you'd like to mention or should we talk about our takeaways? Yeah, let's do takeaways. Mine was just, uh, I think I've said it before that the second person is very rarely used and when it is, it is usually one of the most distinct parts of the piece because it is so unique. And I think I've mentioned too that I think it works best in a shorter piece because I think it is kind of hard to maintain that tone and to make something happen or to make the story move anywhere. It's almost like a story like this where it's in summary or it's it kind of moves sweeping over a long period of time and it's just a takeaway of that. So the tone is not, is not something you can use for every story, but, but when it occurs to you to use it, it automatically lends that really personal aspect to it. And then, of course, here, it's a good vehicle for humor if you can talk in a kind of matter of fact off the cuff. Like to John's clarification of my earlier point, it's voice, Christine. Duh, that's what you're trying to say. So this has a distinct voice because it's in second person and well, just, i just love second person just to be technical for me yeah, it isn't ahead, first John, person right but, but, it's but what you, you're though, saying you, is that you, you. what you're saying is that that first person is talking to a specific yes concrete okay, audience so what's the difference with second person second person if is, it's not first second person is always first person then no no second person is when the character being referred to is you you the go reader. here you eat this you do that whereas oh, in sure. first person the character being referred to is i i go here i go there do yeah this. yeah you're right okay but your point stands yeah what it's, what they're what he's doing is he's creating a first person uh narrator that is talking to someone right. and that that act of talking to someone lets him build this uh kind of underlying you know all the stuff you refer to underlying humor underlying tension underlying okay i get the distinction when uh maybe you can cut this part out so story when he like writes in second person like he writes to the reader the entire time what's that that's, is he breaking a rule because it's no, the reader first person it's, it's, it's he's talking to himself in the first i don't remember the exact grammar of his because first second third person comes from grammar he's t- he's having a conversation from, like with a sec a separate sort of conscious yeah. it depends on how it's written because it like i said it comes from grammar if it said you said it would be yeah second person if it said i said it'd be first i, I think right. his was in first person but he was addressing a you yeah, that so that's sense. first person with with an audience just like this. Well, I'm I'm excited for the three of our listeners to criticize what I've said then. But listen, John's <laughs> the expert, okay? But yeah, so it's first it's first person, but the talking to someone that way is yeah. There's not really a name for what you're describing, so I don't I don't blame you for calling it that. I just know that if some persnickety person were listening, they would say well, that's yeah. not first person. No, uh, it's good to point that out. What is being done here is a specific thing that we've seen in a couple yeah. of places, and it's it's a and it does a lot of cool things. But uh, yeah, I don't it's know. It's almost like uh, maybe in the past we've referred to it as a, almost a monologue or something like you would see in theater. Yeah, that's a good way to put it. I can see that. I mean, I, I imagine the guy kind of on a stage yeah, saying he's, this he's actually. like silhouetted. He's the only one there and, he, and someone's yeah. listening. Even a silhouette. I don't know. I'm trying to think of a soliloquy that has that uses you. It does. And there must be some. Like, uh, like I'm thinking of like one doesn't. man plays where they're like, this is my life story audience. Yes. If they're if they address the audience like that's breaking the fourth so it's kind of yeah um, yeah yeah first person breaking the fourth wall but he's not really but he's not really talking to us us. yeah he's talking talking to somebody else else. so it's something it's not second person it's something different there's just not i don't know what the name for that would be i don't don't think there is a name for that because it's first second third person comes from the subject of the sentence I ruined it. Well, that concludes this. (laughs) 
Yeah, yeah. Right. Yeah. As soon as, as, as I start talking about grammar and yeah, snacking and end well. <laughs> anyway, good story. See you. Bye. Yeah. What else did you guys take uh, away? I would take away that you should let your m- imagination run away with you because this seemed like a story where it's fun and it kind of, you're like, oh, here we go. And it gets crazier, everyone. And I think as, you know, creative people, you're told to let your imagination run wild and then you start doing creative writing and you learn <laughs> there's all these rules. And you're supposed to have your characters do this and stand like this. And it's like, yeah, that's super boring. And I would say that's why most of the stuff on Barnes & Noble's bookshelves all kind of sounds like, if you kind of go through a book like, oh, this kind of sounds like him and she's like that guy. And it's like, not for me, folks. So yeah, I'm here for like fun and to see people's imaginations really take off. And this guy's, you know, he's an ace. So yeah, have fun. Yeah, that's a good point. All the stuff on Barnes & Noble, you're all like, it's obvious that someone came up with an idea and then made it into a book. Sure, yeah. yeah. Fit the book mold. I have nothing against like fun commercial stories, but it's like... They're all sort of playing by the same rules. Yeah, I want to hear like different tunes. I want to hear like a different voice, different sounds. You know, it can't just be Justin Bieber all the time for me. It's got to be something else. <laughs> Shots fired. What do you think, John? What's your takeaway? Um, my takeaway was going to be something about the rhythm of it. I already talked about that. The more I'm thinking about this, the takeaway might be uh, not to worry about structure so much. Like if you're going to let yourself play, just let yourself play. Like to build off of what Rob said. And then I think you can look at this and actually analyze it as a story, as a traditional beginning, middle, end character with desires and wants, trying to get what he wants and the ending achieving something. I think there's a way to do that. And so just don't worry about it so much. It just, you know, if, if the story works out, all those things will be taken care of. It's a really crappy no, uh, takeaway. <laughs> it's, it's playing off Rob's, but to your point, it doesn't even have to fit the structural mold of a story. It can just, you have a weird idea and you just start writing. You don't have to think, well, how would it start or how would it end or what's going to happen? Yeah. And you can, I mean, if you, if you need to, you can go back and do that. You can allow your unconscious mind to just shape a story that way because that's how stories are shaped. Right. Drunk, edit, sober. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I feel like there's more to say about that, but I don't know if I should push this farther. More about structure? Yeah. I don't think that it'll be necessary for me to say more about that. I'd like you to end the podcast that way. Yeah. <laughs> Click, please. That, can we move that around to the end? I don't think it's necessary. That I, I, I am done talking. You sound like a like a politician on the spot. Yeah. I, uh, no, that's, that's all I gotta say about that. I'm avoiding the question there. Yeah. All right. Well, I think this has been a good episode, regardless. It has been. All right. Thanks.